Hello, and welcome back to episode 12 of This Week in Canada. My name is Roberto Cruz, <laughs> and this is, uh, as always, with me is uh, Nico. Say hello. Hello, everyone. It's so good to be here. We've had an absolutely stunning week in Canadian politics. We've had uh, the finance minister resigning. We've Massive. had the prorogation of parliament, which as a journalist is very difficult to spell. And on top of that, we're coming up to the final deadline of the Conservative Leadership Contest, and we'll know who the results are on Sunday. So it's been absolutely crazy. Roberto, what are you making of all of this? Well, let's start where it all started, all right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, we we're uh, going through the muck and mire of this whole We Charity thing still, which has been annoying, but it's been a scandal that's pretty much a hit and shook the Trudeau government to its core in a way that we didn't really see with SNC, and I think we both agree it's because it's a little easier to swallow, even mm -hmm. though SNC was prob probably more severe in some ways. Well, I don't know. The thing about the Wee scandal, as Roberto said there very wisely, I think he got that from me, is that it's so overt. It's pure and simple corruption packaged in a way that is accessible to even the most apathetic voter. It's wonderful. And it's just brilliant to watch every single Trudeau government official squirm in their seats as they're questioned by it. But of course, they're trying to get away with it. Um, but you know what? Why don't we start off with Morneau's resignation? He's gone. He's gone. Bill Morneau is gone. I didn't think it was going to happen. I'm sure if you go to the last week's episode or two weeks ago, I did not think it was going to happen. I thought... Like water off a duck's back, the Trudeau government, Teflon Trudeau, would get yeah. away with it once again. But it turns out that they actually just, like a sacrificial lamb in 2000 BC, they stuck a knife in him. But they didn't fire him. And there's a pretty good reason why. The thing about this is, is they were, before Morneau's position grew untenable, and before the Trudeau government started briefing against them, which we'll get into, you could see in the weeks preceding this that they attempted to throw you know, uh, female minority women from the Liberal Party under the bus again. again. And naturally, you know, they, they realized it probably wouldn't convey a wonderful image of feminism as it naturally tries to convey all the time. So, you know, they had a prototype and then Trudeau naturally come to terms with the fact that Mornay had to go. But the issue here is that Trudeau realized that if he were to force Mono out, or, and, and there needs to be blood, right? This is such a huge scandal that someone needs to fall on the sword. But if he forces Mono out or Mono resigns over the Wee scandal, it sets a precedent for Trudeau also to resign. Trudeau's the prime minister, but constitutionally, he doesn't actually have any more power than any single minister in that cabinet. So if Mono resigned over the Wee scandal, why shouldn't Trudeau? But fortunately enough for the Trudeau government, they found a way around this. Yes, a very good way. <laughs> yeah. A very good, clear, concise, perfectly logical way that everyone understood and it made perfect sense. So Morno, instead of getting fired, stepped down because his work, what he said, his work as finance minister is done. He never really planned on running for yeah. more than two election cycles. In fact, he was done with it anyway. He was the finance minister for the pandemic. But he wants to see what the next guy will do. But is he done with politics, you would think? Maybe he wants to step away and spend time with his family? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Does not, wait, hold on. You would think with that excuse, he would want to do you know something else. The guy's worth like millions and millions yeah, of dollars. He's he very rich. He has a villa in France, he which a, he can just live in for the rest of his life. It'd no, be very so nice. what he's going to do, he's going to run to be the financial uh, oh, OECD. Is, it, is like international organizations which flourish in Europe. There's hundreds of them. 
And basically, they're like repositories for failed politicians who have been kicked out of their home country and they move to Brussels or Paris or Berlin or Luxembourg and they join these economic institutions where there's no, uh, I, I suppose, there's no accountability. You can't look in to see what they're doing and they don't really have any power, but they just make a lot of money. They're funded by governments of various countries and Canada is once again pushing their problems onto the world stage. So thanks for that, guys. Um, but, you know, thank God he's gone. But he's so vacuous that I was sort of celebrating. He really irritates me. But then they appointed Christian Freeland to take over as finance minister, who, as I said in one of my articles, has about as much political or economic experience as you do. Uh, she's or, useless. Or Nico does. Or Nico does, by the way. I, 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 yeah, I haven't even gone to university. So, uh, you know, she has about as much economic experience as I do. She's going to be useless. But because of that total gormlessness, which is now going to possess the finance department, the PMO and the finance department are going to be linked, conjoined at the hip, like one of those information channel. What is it called? The, the education channel, TLC, you know, one of those conjoined, conjoined twins, twins that they yeah. do. Siamese twins, yeah, I think yeah. is the old term that we're not supposed to use. Yeah, don't use it. And... It, it, we've seen Trudeau's plan. And one of the things that annoys me about the Trudeau government is that he always leaks, he always informs international outlets before he informs Canadian outlets. But he informs Reuters, uh, I think it was two days ago, that he has this massive sweeping new plan for Canada. And that's just going to include spending your money at every single possible opportunity to just never stop the CERB program. I'm pretty sure he's gonna lay the foundation for universal basic income, but it's, it's gonna be pissing money down the drain and it's not gonna be good. No, it's gonna be bad. In fact, uh, the Reuters article that you mentioned had a quote from an anonymous fiscally liberal conservative government. liberal yeah. MP who said they're gonna be turning on the taps which is just not a good sign. Ever. That's, that's when have you ever <laughs> used that expression in a good way? Right, ever. <laughs> They're going to be turning on the spending tops and that he was concerned because we're already in the largest debt, uh, largest financial deficit we've, we've ever seen in Canada's history. We've spent more than we did in World War II. <laughs> and that's because Trudeau decided to give $2,000 to everyone who asks. There's a million people who fraudulently claimed SERP and they extended it again for four weeks it's never going to stop. He's going to keep spending money until he's kicked out, which is why, ladies and gentlemen, we need to kick this guy out of office as soon as we possibly can. Yeah, it's a really big deal. I was happy to see it happen. I was surprised, like I said uh, once again, that it actually did end up happening. But uh, we're going to have to see where it goes because we're going to get into our next topic after this transition about the prorogation of Parliament, which is a bigger deal than I thought. Uh, so let's go to a transition. James, hit us with a transition right now. Thank you, James. Uh, so moving on. Prorogue, a word I did not know existed until three days ago. Uh, fancy term, not very complicated definition. Parliament is essentially closed down. The Trudeau government has moved ahead with... Uh, Moving ahead with not getting and not being held accountable in one of the most blatant ways I've ever seen, didn't even really yeah. know was possible. So, and do you want to go ahead? The official line is that he is closing down Parliament so that the government can prepare, they can renew, they can prepare a new budget for Canada 
to invoke these sweeping social programs. That's the official line. Right. In reality, what's happening is that the day before he prorogued parliament, or actually the same day, the same day, hundreds, actually just thousands, thousands, I think. So five thousands. The documents. same day that Justin Trudeau moved ahead with proroguing parliament, five thousand documents on the We Charity were being released. Now, another thing that many people didn't realize. Uh, was going to happen with the proroguing of parliament was the end of committees. So the finance committee, all those great bombshell uh, interviews that we saw. Of you know Bill when Morneau. Pierre Polyev makes junior ministers cry? Right, on camera, yeah. for free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Taxpayer-funded free. The Kielberger testimony, the Trudeau testimony, the Morneau testimony that basically got him to resign, the first domino in his resignation. All those committees are out the window until the end of September. Justin Trudeau said that no, no worries. You're going to have plenty of time to look over the files. They will not be locked down because I'm going to release them today so that uh, the opposition parties will be able to review them. And then at the end of September, when everything's back to normal, uh, actually his line was when Parliament was intended to be opened, which the only reason it was intended to be open at the end of September was because he traded 10 sick days to the NDP. Thanks, Jugmeet. Yeah, so sell out <laughs> Jagmeet. And side note, just gone are the days of any honor in the NDP. Yeah. With the, uh, no, no, there's Charlie Angus. Charlie Angus is Charlie cool. Angus is the rest okay. of the NDP just can't get off TikTok. <laughs> it's true. And uh, that goes for uh, my hometown, Windsor, Ontario. Uh, Windsor West, Brian Massey, you've been, in, you've been in Parliament for 25 years. I've never heard you do anything. Get off TikTok, Brian. Get off TikTok, Brian. <laughs> I know where you live. So anyway, <laughs> we're going forward with uh, what happened. <laughs> Excuse us. Trudeau said he was going to release the files, 5,000 pages on the WE committee, and then when, uh, when Parliament reconvenes at the end of September, they'll be able to be held accountable. Now. Except what one crucial <laughs> element. <laughs> and as you saw with uh, Master Chad Polyev, mm -hmm. our uh, favorite... MP in the official opposition. He, and it was probably one of the best press conferences in, I don't know, Canadian, Canada's history. It was one of the better ones. It was really... But it was important. Yeah. It because it important. showed that the files Trudeau gave us, and Trudeau was pretending that he's going to be really open about the wee scandal. Right. The files he gave us were totally blacked out. Blacked out. <laughs> blacked out. Blacked out. And what it meant <laughs> was that all the important stuff that we could use to real, really nail this guy and his government... Yes. It's impossible to, to get that information. And the only way it would be possible is for committees to request it. But guess what? Trudeau prorogues parliament, so committees can't get that information until September, where they will be incredibly busy because parliament's restarting. It's a cover-up. It's incredible. It is a blatant cover-up. And these blacked out images include, uh, files include emails between Bill Morneau and the Kielbergers, emails between Boris Chagger and the PMO, several, like, several very crucial emails. And I'm not talking about like a page or like a few lines <laughs> of redacted information. It's like a black. It's, it's just... It looks like a page with just like, if you're testing your printer, just black, <laughs> like, just blacked out as Pierre Paul. You have, actually, we'll show the clip right now if you want to watch. All, all the relevant information in the two documents are completely blacked out. Another email from Craig Kielberger that went to someone in the government the same day he spoke to Bill Morneau on the phone, but we don't know who received the email, that's blacked out, or what the email said, all blacked out. Here's an email from the minister responsible for the department that granted the half billion dollars to her top bureaucrat, 
again, all the substance is backed out, blacked out. And that would not be the first time. Next page, blacked out. This page, blacked out. This page, blacked out. This page, blacked out. Why don't we ask what's in those pages at a parliamentary committee? Well, I'll tell you why. Justin Trudeau shut down those parliamentary committees. When did he do it? The same day these documents became public. What a coincidence. The Prime Minister goes to the Governor General's office and says, Gigi, I'm about to release some very damning information, but I've covered it in black ink, and if you'll just shut down Parliament for me today, then none of the opposition politicians can force me to remove that ink and reveal the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a cover-up. Conservatives will not relent. We will continue to fight. ...of an aside, but they didn't black out everything. And there are some really wonderful just bits of detail from civil servants and political staffers who didn't ever think for some incredibly presumptuous reason that this wouldn't be brought to a committee and that no one would read it over. So for instance, one of the most crucial political staffers who was engaged in all this wee stuff, she kept on saying like, yeah, we can be a bit, and I quote, loosey-goosey with the truth, or who cares about money, meh? And so, you know, how I text my friends or how I text the people when I was 15 years old on Snapchat. And it's remarkable that these people are getting paid a lot of money yeah. to act like teenagers. It's, it's shocking how poorly Canada's government is run. Yeah, it's one of the most, uh, one of, it's the saddest I've ever been about Canada. Really? And maybe it's because it's the most I've been paying attention to it. But it makes me feel sad, like actually genuinely sad. It, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of hope besides, honest to God, just a few guys in the opposition that really seem like they're down to go into this and fight for the truth. Pierre Polyev, Michael Barrett seem to be leading this charge against the liberals. Polyev seemed pissed. At. He was naturally. Na naturally pissed, right? I mean, at least pissed. you have a politician who shows emotion. I'm so tired of Bill Morneau yeah. and Justin Trudeau and Christia Freeland and Stephen Gilbo in Parliament and they're asked questions and they just don't think they have to answer them. They don't think that people have a right, right to hear it. They think that they are entitled to get away with zero accountability because they're liberal, because they're morally virtuous, they're better than you. Yeah. And it, it needs to be stopped. And the only, the only way I can see this being stopped is through the Conservatives winning a general election. Because it's not going to happen through committees, because they use ridiculous tricks like that. And bear in mind, there has been some good coverage on it. There's been independent outlets like us and like Canada Land, and even the National Post, and even the Toronto Star was condemned the Liberals for this. Even. But then you see the CBC and David Cochran, and he says, yeah, everything that's been released totally coincides with Justin Trudeau's version of events that he gave under testimony. It doesn't. It does not. It shows that Bardish Chagger lied. It shows that Bill Morneau lied. It shows that Justin Trudeau lied under oath in the testimony, which is shocking. It's just a blatant disregard for the Canadian public and democracy. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, there is a glimmer of hope. Uh, there, there's been some rising stars in this whole situation. And... Uh, this is with a leaderless party. I saw a poll, I think it was last week, that said, uh, I, th I think I want to say it was a Ledger poll, a Leger poll. Ledger. Ledger, a Ledger Leger poll. Uh, that was about the We Charity scandal and about how Canadians 
feel about it, about how how Canadians' outlook on Justin Trudeau. Has it gotten better? Has it gotten worse? And I think it was 49% of Canadians say that their view of Justin Trudeau has drastically dropped. But here's the issue with that, and I, I, I actually reported on this poll, uh, so I know a lot more than Roberto ever will and does. And Not essentially, necessarily. <laughs> the Liberals are dropping. <laughs> Justin Trudeau's approval rating is dropping. But the Conservatives aren't gaining. The NDP aren't gaining. But they're and leaderless. And the Green Party aren't gaining. Well, here's Cons- the point. The Conservatives know, and, and that is leaderless. a point of positivity. However, it shows that more and more Canadians are just watching this and losing faith in democracy. And they think, well, you know, and I suppose there hasn't been a campaign, but they're just becoming disenfranchised with their own democracy. And that's dangerous. It is. But this is, again, I think this all kind of does lead back to the leaderlessness. There's no other guy to really go to. There's no other figurehead yeah. to kind of latch themselves not onto. Yet, anyway. Right, not yet. Most people, like, I think the regular Canadian person, uh, just Joe Schmo, does not know who Pierre Polyev is. Probably not. Everyone knew who Andrew Shear was. Even if they didn't like him, they knew who he was. So if there's a new guy coming in, uh, which we're going to talk about in our next segment, if there's a new guy coming in, hopefully they'll be able to be a bit of a, 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 a to take some of the wind under the Trudeau wings and start building some steam to go into the next campaign. And I think are we ready to uh, go to our next segment? Transition. 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 Those transitions, man. Aren't they good? Leave a like for that transition. And you know what? Also. Do you want this week in Canada merch? Because I presume that you don't. Because, <laughs> you know, it, it's not that good, is it? But <laughs> it's pretty good, I think. Some guy commented, and thank you so much, because it inflated my ego stupendously, um, that, that he wanted This Week in Canada shirt. So, like, do you want, like, Pierre Polyev on a shirt or something? Yeah, so we're thinking, we have a couple ideas. There's a few funny memes. We have a great meme department, an actual department. Yeah, basically just our Instagram. We employ three 20-year-olds to make memes all day. <laughs> yeah, it, it's great. They're really funny. So, uh, we can take some of the more popular ones, not just, like a, like, a text meme, but, you know, like, a funny face or something like that. And put it on a t-shirt with our, with our brand on it. Let us know, please, seriously, because this is something we're very much considering. Now, moving on. To an actual topic of importance. Mild, mild importance. <laughs> the Conservative Leadership Contest, which is coming to a very dramatic end. It is indeed. On uh, this Sunday. A recent poll revealed that basically Peter McKay was leading on the final ballot by 51%. Aaron O'Toole's at 49%, and the others are, you know, a few points behind that. But because the margin of error was like three points or something, we really don't know what's going to happen. People I've spoken to in the Conservative Party have no clue what's going to happen. So I, I think realistically, we're either going to see Peter McKay win or we're going to see Erin O'Toole win and maybe even Leslin Lewis. But someone uh, clearly very, you know, isn't going to win, but never mind that. But it, this one is obviously important. <laughs> because as we said previously, the Trudeau government has never been more defeatable. Yes. And on top of that, it's a minority government. Which, which you would never know, by the way. Yeah, which <laughs> you would never know. You would think this is the largest majority government ever with, Thanks, the amount of, with the amount of power that they've been able to exude on the innocent public. But <laughs> it's, it is... It is. It's by far the most defeatable they've been. I would have thought that in the last election that it was the most defeatable yeah. he'd been. And when you spoke to Andrew Shearer in a nice little chit-chat you had with the conservative uh, leader... 
Until uh, Sunday. Uh, until Sunday. He was saying that uh, about all of his accomplishments as a, as a loser. He was talking about <laughs> how many more votes they got. They got the popular vote. They, got, uh, they won a bunch of the most powerful opposition yeah. ever. And credit record There's a lot to build on. And I don't think – sorry, just one sec. I don't think they're going to lose any of that. I don't necessarily think many of the seats that Sheer won are going away anytime soon. And with a leader that's more likable – with Aaron O'Toole or Peter McKay, uh, maybe Leslie Lewis, like maybe a 2% chance at at most. There's a lot that could go right for, yeah, here for the Conservatives. Th- there's tons of things that could go right. Um, I think the Bloc Quebecois... See, the Bloc Quebecois are calling for an election, which means the Conservatives can trigger an election pretty much at any point. And I want one soon. Because firstly, I, I think Aaron O'Toole and Peter McKay, who are the two realistic choices to become leader, both have some nationwide name recognition. But of course they can build on that. And that means they can defeat Trudeau. I, I really think the gate is opened or the goalkeeper has left his crease and, and we can score on this net. Um, but what would be even better is that the NDP are totally out of cash. Completely. They don't have any money. They have zero dollars. Zero dollars. Which Bad. means if an election is called, not only will Trudeau possibly be gone forever who knows and the conservatives may win but the ndp may just cease to exist which means you know two birds with one stone as far as i'm concerned what would actually happen in that scenario say the ndp say there was an election yeah and the ndp actually just do well, not they just have couldn't the money keep up with advertising they couldn't keep up with campaigning like on ground so they would just lose birds. all their seats yeah they'd lose a lot of them that's hilarious. Yeah. And they've only got, like, what, 11 seats right now? So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's not much of a push for them just to cease to exist. Yeah, well, you know how the NDP are. And as I, as I was saying earlier, the NDP, I feel like, before my time, our time really, the NDP used to be kind of a more honorable party. They seem like they were the classic kind of American socialist, very focused yeah. on labor law, very focused on... You know, the rights of workers. Like Windsor-Hamilton area. Yeah, exactly. These kind of industrial towns. Windsor West is a very NDP-friendly seat. Like I said, Brian Massey's been there forever. Now I think Windsor East is this loser liberal guy named Irek Kuzmiracek, Polish guy. He's been around for a little bit. He's not a loser because he's Polish, but it certainly doesn't <laughs> help. <laughs> Just joking. But, uh, uh, but seats like those, like Windsor, Hamilton, the Hammer. Uh, yeah. Industrial London to some extent. And Northern Ontario as well, I guess. Yeah, Northern Ontario. All these places that are based on manufacturing, Thunder Bay, I would assume. Um, that's who the NDP used to appeal to. But they seem to have cranked it up to like 11, where they're just like social justice, the communists. <laughs> who, and the thing, of, like, exactly, on your point, there's not much ground for them anymore. Because the Trudeau Liberals have been pushed by the Prime Minister so far to the left. And bear in mind, Bill Morneau was a source of restraints for Trudeau. That's gone. So the next election, especially with Trudeau's sweeping economic plan, you know, it's, it's like a... What, what was Mao's plan? Sort of five years? A thousand... A thousand uh, <laughs> wait, the Great Leap Forward? Yeah, great, yeah. It's, it's going to be... a thousand flowers bloom. It's, it's going to be Trudeau's <laughs> Great Leap Forward. Yeah. And essentially, that means that the NDP have become redundant. Um, and why should they exist? They don't have just a God-given right to be a political party just because, you know, they used to have great people. You have to progress with the times. They haven't done that whatsoever. I'll tell you why they should exist. Uh, how likely would it be for a conservative government to really happen without... 
well, the, the NDP there to kind of take away where some would of the they mojo. win? Exactly. I think if the NDP seats that they, the seats that they're going to lose would go to the Conservatives before they would go to Liberal. That is a fair enough observation. There is a type of like uh, dis, a genuine dislike from NDP voters from Liberals. Yeah, because they're, because they're, they're, they're not. The, yeah, they're not the same. They portray themselves to help the working class. But yeah. when you look at their resumes and you look where they come from, these guys are all a part of the Canadian establishment. Their families are a part of the Canadian establishment. And they give themselves this persona of trying to help working class people. And that's, that's who they really care about. But then the we scandal happens. And it shows, no, actually, they use power, or at least they seem to use power, to keep it the status quo. And no one else does that. Not even the Conservatives do that. And the Conservatives are known for doing that sort of thing. But in Canada, they don't. Right. It's the Liberals who are really the party of the elite in Canada. Which is why I think my previous thesis, NDP seats would go Tory. So let me, uh, this is just actually, just we're doing this a little off the cuff, but I have a question about, like, there's establishment candidates kind of in every party. Especially, I mean, if you look at the two leaders of the CPC, Right now, they're both Aaron O'Toole and Peter McKay's fathers were both in government for decades, right? Yeah. So what is really the difference between the establishment liberals and the establishment Because it's on a different scale. Um, Aaron O'Toole's father, I think he was an MPP in Ontario. Yeah. Uh, but before that, he was just, I think, a foreman at GM in Oshawa. Peter McKay's father, again, was a businessman who started off working class and then became a cabinet minister in the Mulroney government. They've done very well for themselves. And Aaron O'Toole and Peter McKay have certainly profited off their father's success. But it's not like Bill Moore, no. That's true. Who inherited a cool <laughs> billion dollars. It's, it's not, not like, like Justin Trudeau. Trudeau. These guys don't have Ivy League educations. They don't mix with the Canadian establishment. The only person who I think is in any way similar to what we're seeing from the current stock of Liberals is uh, Caroline Mulroney in Ontario. But she ran for leadership, and guess what? Doug Ford smacked her up. So I don't think that you could really say the same thing. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Yeah. I just felt like we had to ask that because there would be somebody that brings it up. Yeah. You know? We, we do our Commenters. work here. Yeah, you dirty apes. <laughs> do your research. Do your research. We, we know what we're <laughs> talking about. Uh, anyway, I think that's it for this episode. Maybe one last transition here before we do the outro. They keep getting better and better every time I watch them. And that's all thanks to producer James, who slays behind the computer all day, not doing all this <laughs> wonderful work. James, <laughs> thank you so much for all the work you do. And thank you, viewers. We love our viewers. We do love our viewers <laughs> We love so our much. viewers so much. Uh, leave a comment in the subscription. Let us know how you're feeling about the whole Wii scale situation, about how you're feeling about the CPC. Give us a subscription and we, if you'd like. We really do read the comments, and I'm always interested to see what people have to say about various topics we discuss. Yes. So I want to know who you guys are voting for, who you think will win in the CPC contest, and tell me, do you think uh, Justin Trudeau's government will fall as a result of the Wii scandal in an election? Um, and do you think elections coming up? I do, personally. Um, might be difficult in a pandemic, but we'll see. We'll figure it out. Uh, yeah, leave us a like. Last week, we did not hit a thousand likes once again. I still have a mustache. You know what? I'll shave an eyebrow. Leave <laughs> a thousand likes. Maybe I'll shave an eyebrow. The mustache will be gone. Thank you for watching This Week in Canada, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. I think that was good. That was the best. Yeah.